visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Hello and welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie. So, up this hour we have cultural visa everywhere. It's our show about culture in Taiwan and other countries. And we have a Chinese music show for you called Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. But first join us for Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Wednesday, February 26th, and in the studio we have Jake Chen. Hello. Paula Chow. Hello. And I am Natalie So. We'll be talking about how President Tsai's approval ratings are way up recently and why. Also, what schools are doing on the first day back to school and the wage gap between men and women here in Taiwan. And also a suggestion from a professor about how to tomb sweep this year. Those stories and more coming right up. What's kind of interesting is that, you know, Taiwan has been very serious about containing uh, any possible outbreak of COVID-19 um, ever since we heard about it in, in China. And so far we have about 30, oh, just over 30 cases, 31, which is not too bad, I would say, because, since we're a very close neighbor of China. And um, it seems that, you know, the way the government has been handling uh, this crisis has actually been met with a lot of approval by uh, the people of Taiwan. So in a recent poll, they found that 68% of people said that President Tsai's, well, this is actually her political ideology resonates with them. And 70% are very happy with the leadership of uh, Premier Susan Tsung. So of the whole cabinet, the whole government, how they're doing. Regarding the current coronavirus outbreak, 98% believe the epidemic is getting worse in China only 21% have faith in the Chinese government to contain it. About 70% said they always wear surgical masks when they're on public transport, whereas 21% said they occasionally wear them. 5% said they never wear them. Regarding how people feel in Taiwan about this epidemic, well, 40% said they are optimistic about um, how it's going. 46% are pessimistic. Um, but 86% said they have faith in the Thai administration's ability to control the epidemic in Taiwan. Actually, a lot of them were happy with how President Tsai has been handling cross-strait affairs as well. 72% said they are satisfied with that. So that is the highest score for her since she took office. It's interesting. I mean, her, her approval ratings were really low for quite a while, actually. I'd say last year, right? Mm -hmm. She's been uh, steadily uh, rising in the polls. And of course, she got reelected. And right after that, you know, she had to deal with this crisis. So how do you guys feel about the situation, how it's being handled here in Taiwan? I guess on the whole, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty even good. though I have to wait an hour and a half to get my mask. Really? Face mask. Oh, I, don't, I don't even wait for it. How do you get your face mask? Oh, you okay. have to wait in line. You have to wait in a long line? Yeah, and then they give you a number. Uh, if you're lucky enough to be sort of the front portion of the line, mm -hmm. and then they give you two masks per seven days. Mm. There's a sort of, we're still rationing on that. So you need to wait in line once a week for them. 
Yeah, like if I only wait for once and get it, that's when I'm lucky. Sometimes I had to wait twice. So oh, yeah, how sad. I mean, uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I think we're gonna get more uh, masks. That's what in, I heard. In March. I think they're gonna ramp up production. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think 10 million a day. So I think mm. that will definitely help. Maybe that will enable us to have a bigger quota for each person. Yeah. But um, the government is really um, has been working hard. We see a lot of disease prevention measures, right? Yeah. Going on all over the place, even here at RTI. The whole station got disinfected yesterday, right? They take your temperatures. They take our come. temperatures. Yeah. Well, well, Jake, tell us what people, how schools are, are dealing with this um, crisis yeah. during, you know, back to school time this week. So as uh, we've been talking about for a while, schools across Taiwan, all the schools below the high school level uh, were delayed for two weeks uh, to minimize the spread. So yesterday, the school officially reopens, sort of the start of a new semester. And uh, some of the schools have modified their water faucet. So they become, so they sort of open and close uh, based on sensors. So, oh, that's much better. So you don't have to touch it. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's because uh, house uh, medical experts have been saying for a while that anything that you touch is a major source of or potential source of infection. So they've got that taken care of. Uh, some schools, these are from schools all over Taiwan. Um, some schools have scheduled different lunch time for different students. Mm-hmm. So you don't have an entire school uh, having a lunch in a mm-hmm. sort of a cafeteria at the same time. Al- although it's uh, it, it has been logistically challenging for obvious reasons because, you know, teachers have to organize their students, you know, to, to lunch at different times. Uh, so only some schools were able to do that. Um, I think last week we talked about... Um, a school, uh, I think in Yilan, pitching up a tent. It's this one right here. It's a really small tent uh-huh. outside of a classroom to allow students to be quarantined if your body temperature is measured to oh. be too high. That's been, that was controversial when it was first proposed. And in fact, yesterday was so controversial that the elementary school in Yilan removed it uh, because uh, the, the ventilation and then the heat inside, it really doesn't help. You might as well just go home, right? Yeah. That's before their parents were medical professionals. Oh, uh, before sort of, they can get there. Yeah. So... Yeah, well, there are challenges, and I guess, uh, you know, we'll deal with them one one day at a time. Well, there also were experts coming out to teach and remind, you know, the public and and families what children should do to um, prevent any outbreak. Um, Here are some tips, and I think these apply to everybody, actually, Um, you know, because they say, well, children often forget to wash their hands after touching handrails, elevator buttons, or other surfaces. Mm. Um, They could be infected by scratching their nose, rubbing their eyes, or eating with unwashed hands. Um, Some people only wet their hands when they wash them, but actually you should use soap and scrub for at least 30 seconds. That's to really get the germs off. And... Also, before you put on a surgical mask, you should wash your hands. And then when you wear it, you should make sure it covers your nose and mouth snugly. And then when you remove it, you should hold onto the ear loops and turn the mask inside out. And because the outer part is supposedly dirty, right? That's kind of hard. Yeah, before tossing it into a trash can and then wash your hands again. And then what else you can have your kids do, and actually adults can do this too, is when we go home, we should, you know, our jackets are probably dirty too because they've been exposed to the elements, right? So they should remove their jackets at the entrance. Um, they can disinfect them by spraying them with rubbing alcohol, hanging them in a well-ventilated space, uh, washing them often. Kids should wash their school uniforms and gym clothes every day. So there are a lot of things we can do. And I think the more we think about it, the more paranoid we're going to get. <laughs> There's so many germs everywhere. <laughs> So what do you guys think about all this? 
And no more times I don't do any of those. You just I know. Mentioned, you think about for it. Washing hands. That's what I usually when you do. come from outside, right? right? Coming back home. So, well, now all the schools have infrared thermometers, and they've um, provided twenty five thousand, you know, for around around the schools, and over six million masks just as backup for people who may need them. As schools, so, yeah. That's, so. That's good idea. Um, a lot's being done, yeah, and a lot of alcohol-based sanitizers. A lot's being done at schools, and also, you know, public service announcements are, are teaching kids how to wash their hands. This is good for adults, too, because sometimes we don't do it so thoroughly. You need to take, like, 20, 30 seconds to do it. Yeah. Anyway, um, those are some tips from our health experts. Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. from an expert related to uh, the COVID-19 epidemic. And this is how to uh, pay respects to your ancestors. Tell us about this. Right. April 5th is Taiwan's um, tomb sweeping day. So a lot of people usually visit their ancestors or um, graveyard to pay tribute to deceased family members. However, a public health professor says people should um, pay tribute to their ancestors uh, via the internet link online. Uh, he said that because you know, ancestors are really concerned that their offsprings are, are they safe or healthy? So, you know, they don't mind if you don't go to the cemetery in person. It's okay. It's nothing wrong with that to, you know, pay your respect um, online. This is what he said. And then he also said, um, you know, if there are some, if there are religious activities, the professor said, you make sure you wash your hands, wear surgical mask, and keep distance. Well, he said that if you want to visit temple, people should take uh, terms in entering the temple. Now, don't all enter the temple at the same time. At once, right. And he also said, you know, if there are religious activities, and the organizers should offer um, you know, mobile restroom, because if you don't have enough mo- mobile restroom, you, you don't have places for people to wash their hands. That's not good. So these are some of the, um, you know, suggestions made by public health professors. Well, I think those are good suggestions because Taiwan's actually family infection rate is quite high, you know, for COVID-19. There was a, another um, report that came out that the household infection rate may be eight times that of the influenza I think so, the most recent cases that we've had, the confirmed cases, weren't they all like daughters and granddaughters? Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. So that's something we need to be careful of. I mean, think about the tomb sweeping days. It's usually all the whole, you know, family tree is get, getting together. Aunts yeah. and uncles and grandpas and grandmas and, and everybody, right? And, yeah. And you then usually have a meal as well, right? And, yeah. And a lot of close contact. So it might be a good idea. Do you think people will go for that, Paula? I th- I think so, Yeah. So I guess we have to be careful when we're at home as well. Yeah. Maybe not drink from the same cup or, you know, I don't know. 
Uh, and also, like what we just mentioned, like wash your hands when we get home and, and try not to bring any germs home. Spray your, your clothes and all that. Yeah. I wonder how people are going to adapt to it because I think in the past few years, some temples have been trying to convince people to like not burn jostle papers to reduce uh, the environmental impact. That's true, yeah. Uh, and that didn't go over well. A lot of people were, sort of were opposed to They're that. They're not used to it, right? Right, because they took the, the, the formality of, of this is very important in, in Chinese culture in general. So, you know, how will people respond to paying respect to their ancestors online? You know, I'd be curious to see. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the professor does have a good point. I mean, I know... All of the older generation always want the younger generation to be healthy, right? Yeah, (laughs) that never changes. We should keep that in mind, right? They don't mind if you don't show up. Yeah, as long as you have the heart. The heart behind is what counts. All right, so tell us how we're doing in terms of the uh, wage gap for men and women. Uh, yes, the uh, Ministry of Labor just released uh, the newest set of numbers last Friday. Um, now, they this is a look back to the year 2019 uh, at uh, how much women are earning uh, as compared to men. Uh, the rough number is 14.2%. So on average, women earn 14.2% less than men. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this means that uh, you, on av- an average woman would have to work 52 extra days to per year uh, to to make the same. That sounds like a lot when you put it that way. Yeah, one-sixth of a year. One seventh That's of a year. lot. Yeah, like, so one extra day every seven, seven days. So yeah, uh, some other numbers. The average hourly salary uh, of women in Taiwan two hundred and ninety-two dollars new Taiwan new Taiwan dollars to roughly ten U.S. dollars. Uh, the hourly wage for men on average uh, is three hundred and forty, so roughly eleven U.S. dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, so like we're off by a bit more than one U.S. dollars. Yeah, so the wage gap this year is a very very slight dip from last year, but uh, you know overall it hasn't budged much in the last couple of years. The, mm. the, the gap in the distance it has always been there. Um, some comparisons. When you look at the wage gap of South Korea, uh, last year it came in at 32%. So uh, really? Taiwan is at 14 Wow. In Japan, it's That's bad. 32.3% as well. Uh, in America, it's 18.5%. Really? Yeah. Now, it's worse th- in America? Wow. Yeah, no, 18.5, yeah, it's it's a bit worse than Taiwan. But I think, uh, like, there, there's a lot more complications behind the numbers, right? Because um, there's the culture of, uh, like, I think a lot of men take take pride in taking care of their wives, you know, after, you know, they, they give birth to children. So it's encouraged in a lot of cultures for women to not work. Mm. And also in economically more developed areas, which these three countries all are, women have the right to not work after they give birth. So how does that work out? They they count the time when they're not working? They didn't? Yeah. So if you take, let's say, two months off after giving birth, then you your average wage would definitely go down, right, as a, as a woman. So, but like I said, it, it, it's nice to have the option for women to do that because one... Uh, ongoing labor dispute one of the many is that women very often have to fight for their for their off days for you know um, for their labor vacations and all that because very often employers will not give them that we're not enough hmm. I think also some women if they take a few years off let's say in the states and then they have to re-enter the workforce right then you're not as in a good position as if you were Fresh in the workforce yeah, no if you were there the whole time yeah right you might even have to lower salary or you're not going to be like growing in your income usually that's the case right right so, so there's that factor as well it's hard being a woman sometimes <laughs> 
But I know it's hard being a guy too. I, yeah, I almost said I could relate, but then I can't. I can't. I can't <laughs> so I, you know, I'm just gonna stay shot. Yeah. I mean, I think. Well, looking at the world figures, I guess Taiwan's not doing too bad. But um, I think. I mean, a lot of women are very dedicated to their careers in Taiwan and very well educated. Yeah. But um, I think a lot of men they still feel the pressure of having to provide for the family. Yeah. So I wonder if that's one of the factors that plays out in, in the higher salaries. If they work harder, or if they negotiate harder for higher salaries, or yeah, and like you said, if they stay in the the workforce the whole time, they definitely have an edge. I think the best. I mean, numbers are one thing. I think the best thing is for both men and women, especially women, to have the options. Like, if you want to keep on working, the option should be there. If you want to go home and you know have mm -hmm. a baby and take one year off, the option of returning should be there as well. That'd be the most ideal case. Right. Yeah. So, I think Taiwan has improved a lot in that respect. I mean, they have a lot of laws for. Parental leave and gender equality, but the culture is not totally there yet. Mm. Yeah, so gradually, RTI is friendly to women, though. <laughs> and we do have a female president. That's not too bad for the uh, gender situation here. And she did actually share a bit about her personal taste in books recently. Tell us right. about that. Um, because Taipei International the Book Fair has been postponed um, due to the outbreak of the the coronavirus. So and the people don't go out. Um, so President Tsai Ing-wen posted something on her Facebook. I mean, the five books that she's been reading recently. Two books uh, were originally written in, in English. One book is about the democracy and freedom. And the other book is about George Washington. And she also, um, she's been reading three other books that are written in Chinese. One is a book about 54 uh, homemade, um, you know, dishes, Taiwanese cuisine. Oh, she right. likes to cook. What? Does she like to cook? I, I don't I, think she cooks now. I don't think so. Is she that a actually, hobby for her uh, before? She hired a, a chef. I mean, she paid for, it, you know, pay for that for herself at the presidential office. Oh, I thought they, they'd get a chef, don't they? Um... Well, At the presidential not. office? They right. definitely do. Yeah, I would think that she wouldn't have to cook for herself. No, right? yeah, I don't think she has time to do that. But yeah. anyway, so there's one book about cooking, and there's one book about mental health. And then there's another book about um, Taiwan's energy transformation. So, so what does the book about mental health say? Uh, what is the title? Uh, the title is about, you know, social workers, they visit those people who who have mental health problems. They visit their home. Oh, I like see. It. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's nice to know that she's reading. I wonder if people are going to want to read any of her books <laughs> on her book list. Good any question. of those sound good to you guys? The mental health one is a pretty interesting subject. Definitely. I think it is fascinating. Yeah. I, actually, yeah. I recently interviewed a counselor about anxiety because there's so much anxiety about the coronavirus. Oh, yeah. It's that. fascinating talking to him. Yeah. yeah. He I did. like food. I like food. Oh, good. <laughs> I bet you're a good cook, Paula. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> All right, well, um, that's it for here in Taiwan. And do stay tuned for Culture Visa Everywhere and Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. For here in Taiwan, I'm Natalie So. I'm Jake Chen. And I'm Paula Chow. We'll see ya.
Taiwan is a place full of voices, viewpoints, and stories. Hear them all here on Radio Taiwan International. Taiwan, straight from the source. Cultural visa everywhere. I am Auntie RTI. There is Taiwanese opera from Formosa, our beautiful island. There is opera from the Western world. Well, Auntie RTI adores Taiwan. She is cosmopolitan. With her historian-like knowledge, Auntie RTI likes to talk about stories from all over the world. It's tea time. Please join me for fried chicken and Coca-Cola. Oh, I'm very picky. Westernized fried chicken is not my favorite. Auntie RTI, this is made by a fast food chicken chain restaurant with more than 15,000 of them worldwide. Everybody loves it. Oh, not me. What I enjoy eating is local food. Taiwanese fried chicken with pearl milk tea would be the best. Yummy. After all, they are both called fried chicken. Oh, 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 not really. Our fried chicken is delicious and convenient. With no bones inside, the chicken is cut into small pieces to be eaten elegantly by little sticks. Due to that, our hands are not greasy when we enjoy Taiwanese fried chicken. In fact, a Yan couple lived near Yanping Market in Taiwan in the 1970s began fried chicken this style. So exhausted. You have so many chores to do, though we just marry. I truly appreciate your hard work. We have to make ends meet. I found selling snacks in the night market is profitable. Mm, since we raise chicken. Maybe we should sell the crispy, delicious fried chicken you made last time. Hmm. I cut chicken into small pieces, removed the bones, marinated it with my homemade recipe, and fried after dipping them in the flour. Added with fried basil and pepper salt, paprika. It's tasty. Hmm. How should we call it? Yummy fried chicken nuggets with the aroma from pepper salt. Why don't we call it salty and crispy chicken? Wow, it's such an incredibly inspiring story. Of course, the customers loved it. Now, when you buy the Taiwanese chicken, there are also other vegetable ingredients to choose from. Mushrooms, broccoli, sweet potatoes, green beans, green pepper, etc, etc. Then, why is that the Western fried chicken become popular? I am from Taiwan, but I understand the origin of fried chicken from the U.S. The story is a little bit sad. Sad? It's sad indeed, actually. Slavery system during the early days in the U.S. resulted in the birth of such food. We like to have roasted chicken tonight. Remove chicken wings, neck, places where there's no meat. Yes, sir. Mm. These parts are edible. It's such a waste to throw them away. But we don't have an oven. How to handle them? If we fry them? Mm. 
I'll try that when I reach home. Honey, I'm home. We can have a bit more food tonight. Please fry then. Oh, okay. Mm. Wow, these chicken wings are so crispy after being fried. Even the bones can be eaten. Honey, have some more. After a while, such culinary style was accepted by the white people. I see. About the fried chicken chain store you mentioned, in 1930, the founder Colonel Harlan David Sanders opened a restaurant in his hometown, Kentucky. Researching some new methods, Colonel Sanders successfully invented 11 spices and specific cooking techniques, which last until the present. He was given the title Colonel by Kentucky State to award his contributions to his hometown. Fine, fine. The fried chicken is getting cold. <laughs> That was Cultural Visa Everywhere by RTI. Explore the beauty of Chinese and Taiwanese traditional music on jade bells and bamboo pipes. Hello and a warm welcome to Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong, and today we'll be playing for you Pai Xiao or the Pan Flute, performed by Du Chong. The Pan Flute, according to the Wikipedia, is known as Pai Xiao in Chinese and is a traditional musical instrument, especially frequently used in folk songs or melodies. The first piece of music is a classic from. Yunnan, and it's called "Water Running from a Small River."
a classic a folk song from Yunnan province, Water Running from a Small River, performed by Du Chong, who has been titled the number one Chinese pan pipe player in Asia. And next, how would you like to listen to a song, a Western song played on the Pai Xiao? And this is a song that I grew up with, which I think you're familiar with. This is Besame Mucho. So let's sit back, relax, and enjoy this piece of music.
Besame Mucho. And earlier I mentioned that this is a song that I grew up with. Doesn't mean that I'm that old. And actually I checked uh, the Wikipedia. Besame Mucho is a song written in 1940 by Mexican songwriter, hopefully I pronounce his name correctly, Consuelo Velasquez. So you see that I'm not that old. It is one of the most famous boleros and was recognized in 1999 as the most sung and recorded Mexican song in the world. And I'm sure that you agree on that. This is Radio Taiwan International. And again, you're listening to J-Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong, and today we feature Pai Xiao or Pen Pipe Music performed by Du Chong. Du Chong is an artist of great talents in the field of Chinese wind instrument music. He's engaged in traditional wind instrument and performance of the Chinese Pen Pipes or Pai Xiao. And earlier I mentioned that he is entitled the number one Chinese Pen Pipe player in Asia. Du Chong comes from a musician's family. He was fond of wind instruments even when he was a child. And he learned Di Zhi music from some great masters in the world, such as Lu Chunling and Zhao Songting.
Eastern Mongolian folk song Pastoral Song, an Eastern Albanian folk song. And according to Liu Xing, the producer of this album, he said that he thinks that this is the best one in this CD album and it was extremely difficult for the soloist Du Chong to play the music because it took him a lot of time and Du Chong told the producer Liu Xing that one day he got up at 7 in the morning and practiced it. He spent two hours practicing the broken chord and it was the people who went to bed late. Later, the producer Liu Xing listened to it again and was not fully satisfied. So it is clear, he said, how difficult this piece of music is. And so let's listen to this Albanian folk song, Little Snowflake. And with this music, we'll wrap up this week's Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, you have enjoyed listening to the selection of our pan flute music or pai xiao music performed by Du Chong. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. And our email address is rti at rti.org.tw. TW, RTI's show for radio, Taiwan International. Once again, thank you for your company. I'm Carlson Wong, and I'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.